Hello there, and welcome back to Westmont Works. You know how life happens and often derails our plans? Yeah, I think we've all experienced something like that in nature. Well, needless to say, I apologize that this episode is getting to you all so late. Life got in the way these past several weeks. But I am excited for you all to hear today's guest. He poured into my life during our conversation, and it is my hope that he can pour into yours as well. I pray you all had a restful spring break, time to rejuvenate and prepare for this last half of the semester. I don't know about you all, but lately it's been a struggle for me to find motivation. Maybe I'm experiencing the early onsets of senioritis. Perhaps I'm just sad and exhausted by all the terrible events occurring in our country and now in our own community. Well, I want you to know that whether you're down and lacking motivation like me, or you're experiencing immense joy, you are valid in your feelings, and you are deserving of peace. Today we will be joined by Westmont's own Dr. Eric Nelson. Dr. Nelson heads up Westmont's counseling services at the Health Center on campus. His name may sound familiar from his encouraging all student emails. He is joining us today in continuation from our last podcast, speaking on mental health and how to navigate college with all the mental obstacles that have arisen. Mr. Eric Nelson, thank you so much for coming on to Westmont Works. We're so happy to have you on. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this. So, Mr. Nelson, what are... Um, what is your position on campus and how has that position grown or changed in this last year where um, so much of college life is virtual and so many people are just feeling um, the, the weight of things that are going on mentally and emotionally more keenly? Yeah, you know, my, my role is I direct CAPS, which is Counseling and Psychological Services, And I'm a psychologist and we have a bunch of other licensed mental health providers that work there as well. And what's interesting about this, and, you know, this isn't the first rodeo since I've been working at Westmont, you know, I've been here for maybe five or six years now. And uh, this, you know, we had the debris flow and Thomas fire. And there's always, I feel like there's always another kind of thing of like, how are we going to respond? Of course, you know, this one is like way dragged out. And so, We really had to, in the beginning, kind of step back and be like, how do we support people if they're at home? Like, what is like, what does therapy even look like from afar? Yeah. And a lot of it was like, I don't think like, how do I even do my job? And we, we, I remember we had this moment like where student life was like, all right, everybody put your ideas, each department down for like, how are you going to survive? Not survive, but how are you going to (laughs) function in this season? And you know, every department looked different. What we decided and what has been really nice is all this Zoom stuff. And like, Zoom sounds like a scary place to have therapy. And Mm -hmm. I was like, man, these are going to be some weird sessions. Right. But but you know what? Like I've been doing this now for a year and I really like it. You get past like the first two minutes of like awkwardness where you're like, okay, I'm about to tell a stranger on the computer about all my (laughs) deepest, darkest secrets. But like you get past it. Like yeah. I even start, I started seeing my own therapist over Zoom. I'm like, oh, this is not bad. So you just yeah. 
you kind of, I mean, you know, what is the word that we hear all the time now, like pivot or flex or whatever. So you just kind of like, we rolled into it and now it's working really well. Like caps is very busy. A lot of students are accessing the services, which I think is really good. Like students are getting past like the weirdness of the pandemic stuff we're dealing with. And they're like being like, Hey, I need help. And this is a way that I can receive that. Yeah, absolutely. Have you noticed an increase in students utilizing CAPS um, since COVID or has there actually been a decrease because of the um, like the meeting challenge? Yeah, I would say both. Um, okay. We've seen we've seen a de- some, you know, especially initially we saw a decrease because when yeah. things first happened back last year, a lot of people went home yeah. and they were, everyone was kind of floundering a little bit. And so no one really kind of even knew how they were feeling, I think. So we actually saw less at that time. Um, But then the word got out that CAPS is still available. You know, right now we're seeing about what we would typically see, but I I think that there's two, you know, you might say, well, actually, hey, maybe COVID isn't that big of a deal. Like everyone's (laughs) not, you know, but I think what we're seeing is a couple different things. We are seeing more students who are struggling with the reality of where we're at now of the low motivation, like the isolation, a lot of those things are way higher than normal. Yeah. Um, But then other things that are commonly very high for college campus, like social anxiety, that I feel like is way down, you know, because a lot of times you think about the DC, for instance, as an, as an, uh, you know, uh, image for this, but like, there's a lot of anxiety about like going to the DC, like, where do I sit? Who do I hang out with? Like, People that are homebodies are thriving in ways right now, not <laughs> yeah. in every area, but are thriving <laughs> a lot of those really scary social, you know, relational elements are a lot less. And so I think yeah. that's led to some decreases as well in some of the struggles that people have. Um, and la- lastly, too, I just feel like, you know, a lot of times people like, older like adults have been like talking about college students like man what's up college students like don't have resilience these days there's a Mm -hmm. lot of like those conversations but I think what's been really cool through the pandemic is like college students have like stepped up and really persevered even though things have been really hard so if anything I feel like college students at large have been a lot more resilient than a lot of other people get have given them credit for I've been really impressed by our students and by um, the students I've been working with even individually. So yeah, I think there's, a, there's, while things are hard, there's also a positive storyline to some of this. For sure. And there's something to be said about, like you said, the resiliency of Westmont students, you know, the determination to keep campus safe so that they can be here. So those who are more social and who thrive in social atmospheres can experience that. But then how great of the, you know, administrative side of Westmont to also want to cater to students who have felt like they've thrived in being home or in being um, a little more secluded to like eliminate some of those social anxieties that can accompany, you know, academic stressors. Exactly. Um, But with that, what are some of the major contributors you see among college students that lead to poor mental health or that lead to um, just a feeling of um, like just destitute in their emotional Mm -hmm. realm? Yeah, yeah I, I think that so a lot of times college is portrayed as this like wonderful fairyland that yeah. we go to after high school and all <laughs> of our problems are solved and everything's exactly. awesome. And like, because we're like, we hear from our parents or whatever, they're like, oh man, some of like my best experiences were in college and my right. greatest friends and all, we hear all these storylines. Yeah. Rarely when we're in high school do we hear, 
yeah, college is really intense. College is really hard. And so I think right. there's a lot of shock and surprise when people come to college. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you have college is the second biggest transition that you have as a young adult or in, in mm-hmm. your life. And so in that span of time, I think the biggest transition is when you're born, like that's obviously significant. <laughs> Um, but then like you leaving your family, leaving yeah. your hometown, and then you're moving in. And this is where I think like college is great, but it doesn't always make sense with how I think our bodies are designed. Like mm. you leave a community and then you are one individual amongst 1200 other peers, yeah. your same age, and you don't know any of them. Like that's a huge transition. Right. So there's all this hype on the front end. You get here, you're very excited. And then you're like, even on like the first day or I even hear students like on the drive, they're like, there's this like dread of like, Oh gosh, you know, like here you are like now with all the stressors that come with college and all the fears of like, I need to like build my life. I need to make friends. I need to figure out what I'm doing. And like all of this pressure comes on really quickly. And I think a lot of people are surprised. A lot of people have had difficulty even in high school, like high school is no walk in the park. Mm -mm. And you think, once I get to college, then I'll be okay. But then you get here and you're like, it feels like high school, but the temperatures turned up a lot higher. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and some of the things that I see happening with some of our students with, and this is Westmont and also other schools too. I've, I, yeah. I used to work at Pepperdine. It was very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times students feel tremendous amounts of stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. and it's all that pressure that they put on themselves or they, have put on by their families or they feel yeah. the pressure of being as just a student in general. Um, they feel very shaken. And so another emotion they feel is very shaken or kind of rattled Yeah, where you come into college and you have this idea of like, I'm going to be a doctor and I've always wanted to be a doctor or like, I'm going to figure out everything. And then you get here and like, things are like rattled because yeah. you're like, I don't know if I can do this or, right. or even with faith, you know, people come yeah. to college and they're like, you know, God works like A, B, C, and it looks just like this. And that's how it all works. And then you come to college and it's like, what about Q and R and Z and like all these other like letters interesting comparison (laughs) I'm making here, but it's like, you know, it's just how, how like things look a lot different when you come to college and you have to kind of be rattled by some of that stuff. And then I think, and this is the harder one too. I think there's a lot more loneliness than people would, would anticipate. Yeah. Most college students most college students will feel remarkably lonely at some point within a calendar year. And that's very common on college campuses, including Christian college campuses. I think some people go to Christian campuses because they think there must be all this community there. It's like a youth group, but on steroids because everyone's living together, but it's not, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it also can be a very lonely and isolating place for lots of reasons. So I think those, and this is, I'm rambling here, but I'm- No, we love it. Keep rambling. Yeah. yeah, but this is, I think it's these cluster of things being shocked by the stress, the um, shakenness that happens and the loneliness that comes on. And then a lot of us in our day and age, we're not really equipped to handle these kinds of intense emotions. You right. know, we're in a society where it's like, everyone's supposed to be happy. And we all like, you scroll on Instagram and you see like, everybody's like loving life, but I'm right. not. And so there's something wrong with me and I, I don't fit here. Or I don't belong here. And so all of these like false messages start coming up for people. And then when we, we do what I, I do this too, like we, we don't like feeling really bad. And so we just avoid feeling bad by mm. 
you know, binging on our phone, you know, scrolling for hours or avoiding our schoolwork or avoiding people or watching tons of shows, you know, or just doing anything to not have to face, you know, what's stressing us out. And then that kind of pattern, like, I don't like to feel crappy, you know, but sometimes it's just a part of this season that we're in. And so but sometimes we feel really bad and we do all these things to just kind of push off feeling bad, which just right. makes it feel worse. Like if someone's socially anxious, it scares them to be around other people and right. they feel a lot better just hanging out in their room, but that's going to just make you feel worse right. over time. Exactly. And so, so then people kind of retreat and they start feeling worse and worse. And then, and then like this, like kind of cancel culture happens in their own life where they're like, mm-hmm. well, Westmont must be the problem or I must be the problem or I have to go. And it's like this, like escapism, like I have to leave this or I have to leave this major. I have to go. So you're constantly kind of running away from your problems, not knowing that like 70% of your friends are all going through the exact same thing at the exact same time. Yeah. And, and I think like you were saying, like isolation and loneliness is probably the one that seems to be most heightened right now. You know, like you talk to anyone just even in my own friend group, it's like, I just feel, you know, alone. And part of it, yes, is like, okay, we have these different technologies that are making it possible to still gather, but it's Mm -hmm. so much different. Even thinking of like chapel, like, you know, there, you know, grass is always greener, you know, sometimes it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, chapel three days a week, I can never get my work done because I have to go to chapel. But now it's like, people are just craving that actual personal connection, just being around other people who are listening to the same message or around each other, you know, and just like that, that feeling of, okay, I'm with a group, you know, not staring on a screen at a group, because like you said, that's similar to, to Instagram, where you're like, okay, wait, look at that person, their room looks really good. Or, you know, like, I'm struggling with, I've got a pile of, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) And um, so it is, it's so challenging to be kind of stuck, isolated on a little box, you know, in the top of a screen, compared to like engaging fully, um, and being around other people. So it is so difficult. yeah, and it feels like we're connected, but we're we're not really like it's not. Right. I mean, we are. There, there is some connection, but it's just not the same as the in person connection. Exactly, and that leads right into like a follow up question I had, which is like, what are some ways that students can stay connected and avoid isolation, specifically on campus, but just in general? Yeah, um, well, well, and I think that one important thing to draw out of this is like this, this problem that we're dealing with, the loneliness in particular, is not, is not new right. to the pandemic, and which I think we, we're kind of talking about here, but it is worse by the pandemic. And right. so, so some of what we can do is also recognizing that even when we aren't forced to be locked in our room, like we <laughs> have a tendency to lock ourselves away right. from <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, I think about, um, you know, one thing that's interesting about the current generation of students right now is that you guys are more of a, of a homebody generation, which is mm-hmm. not a bad thing necessarily, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it's, it's, this is not, this is, it. I speak a lot in generalizations. No, so absolutely. there are people that are like, I was never like that. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, generalizations, but what, what we have seen in the research is that a lot of current young adults, like when they were in high school, like oftentimes, you know, a very safe, comfortable space was like their room, you know? And so Friday night came around. It was like, not a big deal to just be hanging out at home 
on your phone or watching something or whatever. Whereas, you know, when we look in the more distant past, people were, you know, they oftentimes were like, get me out of my house. Like, I don't want to be here. And so, so it's, it's, you guys are a bit more comfortable, not always needing to like go out and do things, mm. which is nice in ways. Cause right. I, I myself, I'm a homebody. Like I love just chilling. Like yeah. give me like you know, my book or my phone or whatever, I'll chill for hours. But that is, can sometimes be restrictive of our ability to connect with people socially. And we get kind of mm. stuck in ruts where we wait for social experiences to happen to us as mm. opposed to like seeking them out. Mm. Um, so we, we, I, I talk with a lot of students who are, who feel very lonely, but they feel like stuck because they don't, they're, they're hoping that social experiences like fall onto their lap, right. but then they get frustrated because that doesn't happen. And it seems like everybody else already has their friend groups or everybody else has already got it all together and they've, they've missed the boat. Um, yeah. and, and so, sometimes for some students, you know, they, it's, some of it feels random, you know, sometimes there's students that just like, you know, my roommate, we don't get along. Mm. And then this group of friends I had, we don't really connect anymore. And so mm. sometimes there can be fallout and things like that, that occur. The, the, the main thing that I, I really recommend with students on I push is that with all of our social experiences, like we have to be very intentional and very yeah. active, you know, they, they, they just, it's very unlikely that you're going to just stumble into a really connected group. You have to really put yourself out there. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's, it's um, and also too, I think one other important thing to rec- recognize right now is there's this false sense of connectedness that a lot of people feel, Yeah. you know, we're very connected to each other online. Mm-hmm. Um, those connections are not at all the same, you know, as in-person laughing together, joking together, having important conversations together. So, so those are some, some important things to, to be thinking about. You know, when I, when I talk with students, like, and you, I think the question was like, how can, like, what can we do in these situations? And some of that is, I think we have to be very active in looking for opportunities. We have to be opportunistic socially. Um, You know, sometimes I feel like, uh, College, college can sometimes be, this is a ridiculous example. College (laughs) can sometimes be like, uh, one time when I was in high school, I went to a friend's prom, which was in like another city. Uh And it was this like really weird experience where I went to this prom and like, I didn't, there was like, I don't know, 500 people there. And I was like, I I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know any of these people. Like I felt so awkward. Like, how do you even begin to have any engagement with people? And sometimes I feel like that's kind of how college can feel initially. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's all of these people. I don't know any of them. And it feels like, do I like try to like make a good friend in class? Like, especially over Zoom. Now it's even yeah. harder. Like cat box someone like, hey, right. can we be like, how's your day going today? Um, <laughs> so, so it can be, it can be hard to have these like natural friendships just blossom out of going to class or standing in line at the DC maybe that might be a way someone can make a friend, but it's pretty, the likelihood is less. Exactly. And so we have to be more strategic. Yeah. And um, the cool thing about Westmont is, is that there's lots of structures in place yeah. to make friends. And it's great. You know, it's great if like, um, you know, someone has a passion for you know ministry or a passion for something. Right. But I, sometimes I, I actually will recommend to students, like, even if you're not passionate about it, 
that's fine. Just go and be a part of it. Like join an organization, mm-hmm. be a part of a group. If there's a worship night, go to it. If there's a chess club, reach out to it right now. So a lot of things are limited. So you even have to be more strategic. If there's meetings with your hall, go to those things. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to get there and you're going to be like, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone. But the cool thing is, is that, you know, that 70% of the other people in that group are just saying the same things inside their heads. Like I'm nervous. I don't want to say something stupid. You know, like yeah. we're all in our own heads. Yes. So it's nice to know that we're not alone in that social kind of like fear. Yeah. Uh, and so by putting ourselves in those situations, knowing that not everyone, no, people aren't looking at us because they're all looking at themselves. Right. Like that can stop those. And when we keep putting ourselves in those structured situations, those are where the best relationships happen. I, I, I went to, uh, I went to UCSB and I like lived with my brother off campus my first yeah. year in IV, which is like a really weird situation for <laughs> you know, like a year old kid. And, but what for me, it was like, I got quickly involved in like a, a ministry on campus. And I just was like, well, I, I guess I'll get involved in a Bible study. I guess I'll get involved in this and that. And like, that's where I made the best friends that I had. Yeah. And I'm still friends with them today. And that, I think that's where we have to like, just throw ourselves out there, even if it's uncomfortable, knowing that um, everybody else is uncomfortable and we're going to be fine. Yes, exactly. And I love the distinction you're making too, about like, there's a difference between like distracting yourself by going out and doing things versus like intentionally being like, no, like this is healthy. And just like, there's a, there's a huge distinction as Christians between being still and being stagnant. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there's, it's one thing to be like, okay, like I'm being still right now to see like what God wants for me. And then like being like, I'm avoiding the outside world, you know? And I feel like it's really easy to get lost in those different nuances, especially like what you're saying right now. And I think it's also hard because we do have have grace for ourselves like okay I feel socially exhausted from being on zoom all day but then also like finding um like it like you said putting yourself out there even if it's like I'm gonna do this on my own and if people come then I'm gonna like like welcome them into what I'm doing or I'm gonna walk and if I see someone doing something I'm gonna ask them what they're doing and like make connection that way too I know that like with freshman right now it, it's probably just so difficult you know what I, mean? I think back to my freshman year it's like if I didn't have chapel or the dc or copex day like I I don't think I I would have made the friends that I have now and so it's just so hard because you know I, I'm trying to like pour into a couple of the freshmen that I've met that it's like you know once things open back up when it's not on zoom like join a copex day go on hikes with people you know go yeah. play beach volleyball go do something that's gonna like pour into you that's not on zoom or if you have this social capacity to like keep like up with zoom club meetings then do that i mean Absolutely. more power to you you know and it's, mm-hmm. it is just so challenging all the different ways that we're trying to find that connection like you're talking about yeah yeah I love that this still it's stagnant. That's a great, I haven't not heard about those two compared together. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think I think I heard it in a message. I, I it's definitely not mine, so I'm not going to take credit, credit for that. Don't worry, I'll, I'll credit <laughs> you for that. <laughs> um, but then also, like, how is it possible to prioritize mental health? Even when like, like we're going back to on Zoom and stuff like that, when every professor wants their class and the accompanying work to be prioritized, you know, it, it seems like this kind of dichotomy that you're like, okay, I also have to like go out and be social and, and like focus on myself, but also I have a thousand papers to write, you know? Yeah. So like what, it, like you being in this realm of like um, CAPS where it's like academics and um, dealing with the psyche of students, 
how do you promote that balance? Yeah, it, it's, it's, I think it's really funny too, because you get, it's like, feels like mixed messages. It's like, yeah. okay, take care of yourselves and read a thousand pages tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's like, exactly. Uh, what? Um, <laughs> so, and then, and then I remember, I, you know, I don't know if college students feel like this, but I remember when I was going through school, I was like, it felt like, uh, that some of my professors like thought that like I, I was only in their class and I didn't have any other classes, right. <laughs> But that this is, you know, uh, this is a part of college. This is yeah. a part of coming to, you know, Westmont's very rigorous, which is really good. Like it's mm-hmm. good to be pushed, but there's also a lot on our plates. Um, so I, I think we have to, I, one of the, one of the parts about this is like, we are our own managers in this. Yeah. You know? Like we are like when we're living at home, you know, sometimes our parents can help us or other people that we might live with might be like, Hey, like, how are you taking care of yourself? Mm-hmm. But like, when you come to college, like you don't have someone looking over your shoulder. So you almost need like a secretary or a manager in your own brain. That's kind of yeah. like helping you come up with a reasonable plan, like for how you're going to do all of yeah. this. Um, and so, and I think that if, if we're going to have like this umbrella of like reasonable plan for my life, you know, while <laughs> I'm across, I think there's a couple things that go into that. You know, one of them is, is like, we have to like have reasonable expectations for ourselves. Mm. A lot of people come to college and they just, they, in their minds, they're like, this is what I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a 25 unit student and I'm going to get A's and everything. And I'm going to have three internships and like all, so they have these like really nice and sound, they sound really pretty, these like expectations. <laughs> yeah. But they like those expectations then drive them into the ground. We get students, I think this happens all the time, but they come to CAPS and they're like, you know what? Like, I don't know why I'm so anxious. Like I have 25 units, three internships and I can't get everything done. I don't know why I'm so anxious. And, and I'm, I'm like, okay, you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're doing a sport. And I'm like, there's, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you at right. all. But this amount of things is not at all possible to right. be able to reasonably be able to do. So we have to have reasonable expectations. Sometimes too, students come to college and they're like, you know, maybe they had straight A's all through high school and they're like, well, my identity is in my grades. Therefore my grades must always be high or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And so, and then when their grades start to slip lower than they're comfortable with, then they start to get really anxious and overwhelmed by all that. So sometimes we have to be reasonable about what our expectations are. We might want to get the highest grades, but sometimes the reasonable thing is being like, well, I might not get the grade I want in every class. Um, so that's, that's, I think one thing, the other thing is, is this kind of being reasonable about our schedule as well. Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes a little bit back to what I was referring to before, um, that, you know, if we're going to be able to manage all of these different things, well, we have to be reasonable about what is on our plate. Yeah. Sometimes we have to take things off our plate. And sometimes we have to kind of, re, you know, sort things around. Yeah. There is this, you know, I, this is not just a Westmont thing. We see this at a lot of high performing schools, but there's mm-hmm. like, it's like a badge of honor to mm-hmm. be like the most obliterated student. You know, it's like, oh my <laughs> right. gosh, like I was up last night till five in the morning, like writing a paper, you know, and it's like, yeah. you feel, and you're, some people like kind of brag about it a little bit. It's not like necessarily bad bragging, but you're just kind of like, oh, and the, the issue though, is like, that's like a, 
it's like a mark of like a badge of courage or something or like right. this great thing that you're Purple doing. Purple Heart Award of Students. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. And then people start to get like, and they feel good about that. Like, I feel good that I'm like just laying my life, you know, down to be overwhelmed. Yeah. And the problem is though, is that it's just, it's not healthy and it's not reasonable and it's not, it's not um, good for us long-term. Mm-hmm. So that high level of stress all the time really takes a toll on our bodies. Um, so we want to be reasonable about, you know, kind of our expectations about our schedule. And then I also think it's good to be reasonable about um, even like how we study and how we mm-hmm. do things. I, I sometimes I hear students like they get anxious about their classes. And so then they like hyper study and they just all they do is study and mm-hmm. like they just say no to all their friends. They say no to taking care of themselves. And they're like, this is the most important thing. And they just mm-hmm. plug in and just do all that. Or there's the opposite end where they're so overwhelmed and they're like this test I'm freaking out about, but then they like, look, and they're like in front of their computer, there's like, like, like oh gosh, I remember this. Like when you open up a word document and it's blank and it's just like this dread just comes over you. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to like put in like eight pages. Um, yeah. But then, so then it's, then they like look over and they're like, I should probably clean my room right now. Oh, exactly. My roommate and I were actually just talking about this last night because, you know, we both study for a long time. She's like, I definitely have more of the paper to do, but I think I'm going to clean out my drawers right now. (laughs) (laughs) There will always be something else to like clean or tidy or whatever. Exactly. And, and, and so we avoid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's so easy to find those different distractions to be like, no, like I'm I'm the princess of procrastination, you know, like I've got this. And then all of a sudden it's like just that condensed stress, you know, instead of being able to like space it out where you're like, okay, I have a little bit of like adrenaline that I got to get this done or spacing it out. But instead it's just like all condensed and you're just, you know, seizuring all in your room, you know, <laughs> about, you know, this paper that you have to write. So it is so difficult. And sometimes Sometimes it feels like it's unavoidable, but like you're saying, if you're planning your schedule to where, okay, these are the things I've committed to, but what are those things that aren't mandatory for my time right now that I can relieve that stress off my plate? And that's just mm-hmm. so great to, to mm-hmm. have that understanding. And then to also not be burdening, you know, your friends with, like you said, like this purple badge of, you know, honor or whatever it is, you know, about like, I stayed up till 4am. It's like, you don't need to burden them with your stress either because they have their stress too you know yeah yeah exactly and that this balance is is hard to find in college but i remember i had this uh advisor one time tell me like he and this he uh, had a lot of like pithy sayings but one of the (laughs) sayings was like every decision involves loss Mm -hmm. and so part of like you know you don't have to take care of yourself like you can choose people can choose to just like work hard 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 you know forever but yeah. that comes with the cost of like the anxiety, like it just makes life not very enjoyable. But then that every decision involves loss. So if you do decide to take care of yourself, you might have to cut things out of your schedule or get grades maybe that are a little bit less than what you want. Yeah. But you're making a healthier life for yourself by getting exercise, seeing friends, like right. you know, spending time in the word or whatever it is that you do. And um and it was just one last thing about this too. You know, I feel like, I think a lot of college students come into college and they think like, this is the time that I'm going to just drive myself into the ground. But then when I get my job in the future, then I'll kind of chill and everything is going to be awesome. But I, that's not the case. I, when I look back to students, I knew from college, the ones that like were kind of pushed themselves too hard in their studies, like they're now in jobs where they just push themselves too hard. Yeah. 
know, so it's like, if you want to live a life that has more balance and like peace, now is the time to start doing that and not being like, well, I'll get to that sometime later. Right. Exactly. It's, it's like, I feel like we've been told this mentality of like, if I work hard now, like literally in four years, I'll be relaxing on a beach in Cancun yeah. and like, that'll be my job. And it really, it's like, you kind of start those habits now, you know, if you're working to the bone right now, then odds are you're going to be finding yourself in a job where you're, you know, asking to be worked to the bone, you know? Um, exactly. And, and that's just not good either because then you're, allowing that to be okay you know like that becomes your normalcy of being like oh yeah I only sleep for two and a half hours a night you know what I mean and and I don't have time to eat or I don't have time to exercise and those things that are supposed to also be you know just part of your life in in a really healthy way and finding that balance and that's that's just so difficult um Mm -hmm. one other question I I would also have is like how do students cultivate healthy relationships um, if they're feeling like they're mentally unstable, does that make sense? I feel like there's a, there's this idea where it's like, you, you shouldn't, you know, be responsible for anyone but yourself. But at the same time, you know, we're people of connection and people of relationship. So, you know, what is, what does that look like? Or, or what are some advice that you have for those students? Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there was a world that therapists did not exist. And uh <laughs> What did we uh, do? <laughs> yes, but now we they exist and they're busier than ever. And I, I think that I think that's because, you know, I think we are supposed, you know, I think in more an ideal world, we would have more like what they might call like naturally occurring like therapeutic like relationships yeah. where people are sharing more of themselves with each other. Mm-hmm. And some people are really good at that, like sharing some of themselves and the hearing from other people. But there's a lot, you know, we're in this hyper individualistic culture and, and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ways that this goes sideways where um, there's a lot of people that overly dominate and just share way too much and don't listen to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people that don't share anything and will only listen to everything else everybody else has to say. Yeah. And then interestingly enough, those two people tend to find each other. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, I think what we do is we, we need to find, you know, cultivate friendships and then step boldly into those friendships and be honest with people about like, yeah, you, you know, I'm doing pretty well, but this is, this area is pretty hard for me right now. Yeah. And this goes back to like what we know about community, like the richness of community is in authentic relationships. And that doesn't mean that you share with everybody, you know, right. everything that you've dealt with. But you recognize that there are some people that are really close. You recognize some people that are a little bit, you know, more distant. And then you have also other people. But those people that are really close, like we want, it's good to share things with those people. But it's also not just like uh, sharing your own stuff, although that is good. Sometimes it's even, you know, eliciting some of that from our friends, because you're going to notice, yeah. like every student does, like you have a friend here. It's like, you're like, wow, they, they seem like they're really struggling today, or they seem like they're really having a hard week. And a lot of us are like, well, I don't want to like, you know, invade their territory. But it's like, right. no, if you're a friend, just step in and be like, hey, I care about you a lot. I've just, you yeah. know, I've noticed that you haven't, you know, been around very much. Like, yeah. how's everything going? And it doesn't have to be this like weird, like intervention, like we're going to sit you down. Like, <laughs> of our other, you know, roommates. Yeah. You know, it could just be like, Hey, I care about you. I noticed it just seems like you might be a little off. Like, is there anything I could do to help? Do you want to talk? And then like, you can do have a conversation like that. 
And then, you know, sometimes, you know, on this campus, what's cool is there's lots of other resources on campus for people who are struggling. So there's other like RAs and CAPS and other departments on campus to be connected to for if people are needing even more support. Yes, exactly. A peer mentorship, all of that. Yes. One last thing that um, Lauren brought up this week and and I hear kind of being a theme through our talk as well is this idea that like identity is not found in anything that you do or the expectations you have for yourself but your identity is like who you are as a child of God and who like you want yourself to be you know what I mean like the best version that you want um and that stems from you know who God wants you to be as well so would you just elaborate on that as well just like from your perspective how that feeds into your job and how you see um other students on campus conducting themselves yeah, gosh, it's a great question. I'm glad that, uh, glad that Lauren brought that up last time. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, there is a whole like field of like college mental health, and that's what like you know CAPS is involved in, and like and so a big part of college mental health is like identity formation. Like this is what we yeah. do in college. Like we leave our families where we have a lot. Like when we're at home with our families, like we just kind of like just do what we believe and do what our families believe and do, which is healthy and normal. But then we start coming into this phase where like the front of our brains start developing more, Mm -hmm. where we have more of this like introspection ability where we're like, well, who am I and where do I fit? And those are all of these like weird and huge existential kind of based questions that we go through in this time. And, and sometimes it's, it's stressful because we want to like, find our identity and like who we are. And there's sometimes like this mad search of like, I got to find out who I am. Like, am I, and, and it's could be like a profession that people try to find their identity yeah. or like, well, or I'm, a, I'm just a really smart person. So they're like right. poor them whole selves in that, or I'm a really funny person on a plural, you know, right. or I am, you know, really musical or, you know, people pour their identity in all sorts of things or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a sexual identity or, uh, um, even, even, um, what else do I see? A lot of like people pouring themselves into their professional identity of who they might become. Right. A lot of times, even uh, a lot of people identify with even how they feel. Like there's a lot of identity in like, I am a depressed person and this is wow. just who I am. And so there's, yeah. we're, we're trying to figure out who we are. And sometimes we like find a, a, a place and we just like start pouring ourselves into that, which right. that's not necessarily bad. It's good to like figure out like who we are but we also don't want to necessarily silo ourselves into this kind of these single, you know, we're such complex multidimensional people right. and we want to, we want to broaden ourselves and open ourselves up to the, the vast array of, of complexity to who we actually are. Yeah. And it, what's cool is I like what you brought up. Like what's, what's awesome about that is like, we can see our, you know, if fundamentally, you know, I'm thinking about this in layers. So if there's like this middle layer of like these various identities, which we can assume, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot more comforting to know that underneath that is like this deeper layer of being children of God, that, that we have this identity in Christ that can hold all this other stuff up together, even though it's kind of moving around and shuffling, like on our, on our medium middle layer of our lives. But like, we have this lower layer that's like, even if things get all sorted around, like at the end of the day, all during the day, in every moment, yeah. I still identify as and my identity is in Christ. Yeah. And, and that can give us this peace that when the storms of college come on and we have all these kind of ups and downs and 
great moments and not great moments that we know that we are safe and secure. Yeah. Um, the, the, the only issue is we just have to keep reminding ourselves of that foundation. Right. Because we right. forget that it's there. You know? Exactly. And like you said, it's because sometimes that middle layer just becomes like so prominent. You know, if it, if you're musical or if you're an athlete and you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I peaked or I had, you know, and now, and now it's gone. Like, who am I? You know, and then it's, we forget that, okay, in between that, you know, God tells me, okay, even if you have a failure, like in that, that doesn't mean that you're not that anymore. It just means that I want you to redirect and remember like your identity is me. I've given you the ability to, to pursue anything that's on that middle layer. And so exactly. mm-hmm. I love that. I love what you've said. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have any closing comments for us, um, any just little, you know, tidbits and seeds of hope, we'd love to hear them. Um, seeds of hope, man. You know, I, I'll, <laughs> say, I'll just throw out a cu- couple little last random musings. You know, I, I think that one of the common things I'm hearing a lot right now in the pandemic is a lot of lack of motivation, a lot mm-hmm. of just tired and worn out. And like, um, and, and you know, I, I think right now that is where we're at, you know? And so for students that are feeling like that, that the low motivation or tired or disconnected, I just encourage them to kind of own that and recognize that that is the space that we are in. Um, we don't, I don't want to feel that way. Like I'm in my garage right now. Like I haven't seen a single That's a person. beautiful bookshelf in the garage. I honestly was <laughs> like, look at that professional office. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, if you're going to any other hang on here, you'd be like, well, he needs to do some cleaning in that place. Um, but, but it's like, you know, this is not ideal and I don't like it, but there are things that I can do in the non-ideal that can make my life more, you know, rich even right now. Like, uh, so it's like trying to figure out things that we do have control over that we can still manage while also being real with like, I don't like this. I'm not happy right now. Like I'm not okay with like the situation that we're in as a world, as a country, even for myself in this day in day out moment. And nonetheless, I am here, you know, and I am in control of this situation that I'm sitting in right now. And so what am I going to do in this moment? And maybe that means that I need to grieve and be sad for a while. And maybe it means that after I'm sad for a while or feeling lonely that then I'm like, okay, well, I need to call someone or I need to reach out or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to do something because I don't, I'm not just going to bask in this all day. Like the negative emotions are there for a reason. So it's good to be curious about them and learn about them, but also not like let them dictate our entire existence. I'll, I'll end with this. Um, you know, the serenity prayer has been something that I just keep going back to Mm -hmm. in my professional work because, Mm -hmm. and this is for whether people are Christian or not. In fact, uh, you know, AA, like Alcoholics Anonymous, and a lot of those types of groups use the serenity prayer, and it's non, not necessarily religiously affiliated, right. but they use it as a great way to um, manage these times in life that are, you know, we're in one right now, but we know, like, at other points in our lives, there are going to be tremendous difficulties we face, and even small ones that are really annoying, but they're yeah. coming, there's going to be more. Um, and the serenity prayer, um, I'll, I'll quote it here as we close, but yeah. it, cause uh, most people have heard it, but I think it's good <laughs> to kind of like just ingrain this, like write it on our hand or write it on our mirror or remind ourselves yes. to do this stuff, but it goes, God grant me the serenity or like the peace, the calm to accept the things I can't change. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot in our lives that we can't change right now. <laughs> exactly. It's hard because like a lot of, <laughs> yeah, lots of like I feel like there's a lot of young adults 
I was talking about a couple of days ago that was like, I feel like I'm like my generation was responsible for fixing all the problems of past generations. You know, like there's a lot of things that we can't change right now. Um, But then the serenity prayer goes on and it says that, you know, uh, it says to accept the things that I can't change and also the courage to change the things that I can. Mm -hmm. So within our realm, like what are those things that I can change or work Mm -hmm. on or build work through even in this moment? And that may even mean be like, I hate this situation. And right now I need to take a break from it and distract yeah. myself or call somebody or something like that. And then it talks about the serenity press says, and the wisdom to know the difference that we're able yeah. to really think through what we can and can't change. And usually people, when they think of the serenity prayer, they stop there, but it actually keeps going on. And it goes that, you know, uh, living one day at a time, mm-hmm. enjoying one moment at a time. So just focusing on being in the here and now, not trying to go to tomorrow, not always living in the past, but living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. And then it, then this section ends with accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. And I hate that last line, but also love that last line. Yeah. Like hardship is not peace, but it is one of the ways that we get towards being more whole and holistic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, college um, has lots of hardship and I wish that it didn't. I wish our college students got here and it was like that summer camp that you had maybe when you were yeah. like 12. Hume Lake 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think like, <laughs> like summer camp, like, man, like it was mean people. It was like so fun. We're like playing laser tag or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, it's not that way. But what's cool about college though, is like in the crazy fiasco of good and bad and everything in between of college, like that's where the meaning and the richness comes from. And so sometimes instead of fighting against the difficulties that come, it can be helpful to open ourselves up to them, allow space for us, for ourselves to feel crappy at times, but then also work through those things actively and to get help. Like at Westmont, there are so many avenues of support. I'll just mention them as, as I close here, but like the, you have CAPS, or your friends or RAs or RDs or the campus pastor's office, Mm -hmm. student success coaches, the peer coaches, you know, there are so many avenues of support and they are great places to reach out to as you try to control what you can in your life. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Nelson, for talking to us today. This has just been such a blessing. I know it's going to bless so many students who just are walking through their lives, trying to take one day at a time. Um, And so just thank you so much for everything you do for us on campus and for joining us on Westmont Works. Oh, just glad to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again. I pray that these episodes bring you the peace and joy that you're seeking and that God would use these guest speakers to touch your heart. Some last little reminders from Cove. Um, Before the end of the semester, you should register for APP 190. This is an internship course online this May term where you can get credit no matter where you're living or working. You can also register for APP 80. This is an amazing course to help you clean up your resume and get you workforce ready. And lastly, apply to be a Res Hall ambassador. Also known as the CDA position, this is a really fun opportunity to work and make money while living on campus. It's a really creative position, 
And actually, you all have CDAs right now that are planning events. So if you're interested in taking over their position for the res hall you'll be living in next year, please go ahead and contact Cassie Wiltsey or reach out to any of your current CDAs. Once again, we are so thankful that you tuned in and thank you for letting Westmont Works work with you. 